toys. I don't know, but he has more toys than me. I want a Buzzsaw Louie. I want ten Buzzsaw Louies. Cause that's the true meaning of Grumpy kids, greedy dreams. This is not what Christmas means. I'm just a toy. I don't claim to be a genius, but there must be more to There must be more to Christmas. I think we're really missing something. Must be more to Christmas. But what? You know the Veggie Tales. I, I, first service, I said, how many of you watched the Veggie Tales? And like only a few people raised their hands. And then I said, how many of you watched the Veggie Tales with your kids? And then lots of people raised their hands. If you've never watched them, um, they're worth tracking down. Uh, they're on right now media, something that we offer through North Point. They're just fun, fun stuff. Um, there must be more to Christmas. Uh, it was fun to look out and see some of you singing along. Uh, that was good. Yeah, I saw you. Um, uh, I feel like it's December 2nd, right? And we're, we're right at the precipice heading into Christmas. Anybody have, have that kind of sense? I remember when I was skiing one time in Colorado, being up at the very top of the mountain and thinking, I'm, I'm standing on the edge of this bowl and thinking, all I need is about this much more weight going forward, and all of a sudden, I am going to be fully committed. It's going to be crazy. Uh, I feel like that snowball that's at the top of the mountain, that if you give it a push, it's going to start rolling. And by December 15th or so, December 20th, everything's going to just be way out of control. And so what I wanted to do today was to just give you really a challenge to think about Christmas this year and how it can be better than any Christmas that you've ever experienced before. Um, that's our series theme, better than. Uh, today, better than stuff. Next week, better than busy. Uh, if you got the postcard, hopefully, I can't think of all of them right now. Oh, and, the, and you can't read them up there. That's fine. Um, the, uh, today, I, wanna, I just want to talk about this, uh, this concept that we can have a Christmas that's better than stuff. It's, it's better than... Um, Better than all the stuff that traps us. Here's my challenge as we get started today. Make this Christmas, make your Christmas this year about more than stuff. Uh, more than stuff. What we give, what we get. Um, Christmas is more than about Buzzsaw Louie, right? More than 10 Buzzsaw Louis. It's about something more than that. Um, uh, most of the time after Christmas, you know, when you see somebody after Christmas time, you say, hey, how was your Christmas? What is it that you're really asking about that? You're asking, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, it's great or, uh, you know, whatever. But lots of times that question really kind of captures what did you get for Christmas, especially when you were a kid? How was your Christmas? What did you get for Christmas? What did you give for Christmas? Is Christmas about stuff or not? 
this year make Christmas about more than just what you get and give, more than stuff. Um, I read this week about a woman in England named Emma Tapping. Apparently two years ago, pictures from her went viral of her Christmas tree. Oh, my. Oh, my. Guess how many kids she has? She has three kids. More than 300 presents under her tree. Some of the kids are saying, I want that lady to be my mom, right? Uh, how much... How much is too much? You know, uh, how do you decide when what you do for Christmas is too much? Uh, we all, we all want to celebrate Christmas. We want to be with our family. We want to express our love for people with, with some gifts. How much is too much? Let me, let me give you some, uh, question or some, some statements that I think can help frame that for you. And again, that this, this message is really designed to try and, and help put the brakes on on the front end as much as you can of Christmas spinning out of control. How do you, how do you decide when uh, it's too much? If you're spending more than you can afford this Christmas, it's too much, right? If the amount or the cost of the presents that you buy is because you feel like you have to or you'll feel guilty if you don't, it's too much. If you're thinking about the number of presents you, if thinking about the number of presents that you have to buy right now, if you've got that mental list that says I've got to buy for this person, this person, this person, this person, oh yeah, and that person and that, per- and it's causing you anxiety, it's probably too much, right? If if Christmas, if the 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 process of of finding presents to give is causing you, it, it may be too much. If you're embarrassed by the number of presents that you've bought on Christmas Day, it's probably too much. Um, If you're trying to do just a little bit more than last year, you think back, oh, last year's Christmas is great. Christmas three years, if we can do just a little bit more than that and kind of raise the gain a little bit, step it up one night, it's probably too much. If... um, if, you're op- if opening the presents on Christmas morning creates what I would call uh, a present opening stupor, drunkenness, um, I, it's probably too much. I, does that picture, is that picture in your mind? We have six kids, and I can remember so many times we, we had the presents that we bought for the kids, the presents the kids bought for each other, the presents that came from the grandparents, and when it was all done, you just kind of sat down, and it was like, whoa, your eyes are glazed over. You're thinking, what are we going to do with all this stuff? If, if it creates that, that, um, that stupor, that sense of, of gift-giving drunkenness, it's probably too much. If you dread the week after Christmas already because of, you know the number of things that you're going to have to return, the gifts that you've given, it's probably too much. We've got, we've got all kinds of stuff here. We've got a bike. We've got a shopping cart. We've got some tools, you know, all kinds of stuff over here. It's easy to connect Christmas with stuff. But in reality, the simplicity of the first Christmas is very, very different. If you think about what actually happened that first Christmas, it's not about clutter, not about stuff but about this baby that came to earth expressing God's love 
for us. Luke chapter 2 says, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Scripture tells us that the Roman government created this census. They wanted to know who was in their realm, where they were from, so that they could make sure that they got the taxes right. So Quirinius issues this edict, and everybody has to go to, their, the, to the city of their ancestors. So Mary and Joseph, who are, who are engaged to each other, they're not married yet, but Mary's pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph. They make this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's a journey of somewhere between 80 and 100 miles, depending on which route they took. And, um, and they didn't obviously have a car or a bus or a train to take. So they're making this entire journey by foot. Now, in all the pictures, there's a donkey, right? There's always a donkey there. Um, But we don't know that that's the case. They traveled somewhere probably between four and seven days with Mary, fully pregnant, to get to Bethlehem to be registered so that that they could be taxed. Um, If you think about that, you think about this this, uh, guy probably in his 30s, um, he's a a journeyman, he's he's a licensed carpenter, stonemason kind of guy, works with his hands. He's not rich and powerful. He doesn't have lots of influence. He's just a regular guy with this woman who is uh, a young woman who who he's engaged to and is pregnant. They make this journey, and it had to be exhausting. Um, they were from a poor place. Nazareth is this little town in the, in the uh, hills of Galilee. And their home, jo- Joseph's home that, that he created to bring Mary home to, was probably a cave that had been carved out of the side of that hill. That's the way that the homes are in Nazareth. Even today, you can see homes like that. Um, they, they didn't have a lot of stuff. He was a blue-collar kind of guy. He, wasn't, he, he didn't have power. It's so important for us to understand that. He, they didn't have a lot of stuff. How much stuff can you take on a journey that's going to last a week walking where you're going to have to carry everything? The simplicity of that first Christmas stands in contrast to all the stuff that have become the surroundings of the Christmases that we celebrate today. It kind of begs the question, doesn't it? How much stuff do we need? How, how much stuff do we need? Uh, in, in working on today's message, I, I was just doing some, some research, um, some research on consumerism in particular. It, w- it was very, very interesting because generations ago, there wasn't the sense that you had to get new stuff all the time. It was a very functional sense. You you, you bought the things that you needed, you kept them until they wore out, and then, and then maybe you bought something new. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I taught at Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. It's a great college that trains people for ministry. 
the, the man who, um, who really shaped the, the birth of that particular college, that university, is a guy named Seth Wilson. He went there in the, in the 1940s, 1945 or something like that, to plant the college. And Seth Wilson's impact on this, on this uh, college is felt even today, even though he's, he's passed away. Um, when I, he died after I had quit teaching at the college, but when I, when I was there, he was retired. I talked to him several times. And they did a tribute to Seth, which was really, really interesting. They showed a picture of him when he was in his 30s when the college first started. There, there is him, um, you know, dark hair, uh, in a suit and tie, uh, looking very studious, scholarly, uh, in one of the first pictures that were taken around the college. And then they showed a picture of him uh, in the last year that he taught officially at the school. I wish I had these pictures. I, I couldn't find them. Th- there he is again in a suit and a tie, looking very scholarly, gray hair. The interesting thing about the two pictures, when you put them side by side, taken about 40 years apart, he has the same exact tie on in both pictures. The same tie. Somebody said to him, Seth, you need to get a new tie. And he said, why? This one works just fine. We live in an age of consumerism where, uh, you know, uh, I, I talk to Deb all the time, and she says, you can't wear those clothes when you preach on Sunday morning because they're old. You've had them for too long. You need new stuff. Um, we, we live in this world where, where we buy things so that we can throw away our old things regardless of whether they're still good or not, Right? It's, it's a, a functional kind of thing. How much stuff do we need? Um, three years ago, here at North Point, we took up a special offering at Christmas, and we took it up to help plant a church in Ecuador, in an, uh, to plant a church in a community that had no presence of Jesus that was incredibly poor. Many of you sponsor kids there now. We sponsor about 125 children in this community. The church is there. One of our own, uh, Everett Kramer, in October, about six weeks ago, made a trip to Ecuador to visit the kids that he sponsors. And I had a chance to talk to him a little bit about the trip. Take a, take a look at the video. As you were there in a culture and in a context where, where um, most people don't have very much, uh, how did you process that? One of the other things I picked up there was we have so much here. And to visit the homes where they have nothing and the probably the average income of the people we sponsor is $200 a month or less. Sometimes it was heartbreaking to see they had nothing but what I had given them money for. In some cases, you'd walk into uh, one girl, her name is Shirley that I sponsor, her entire bedroom was decorated with uh, Disney princess this and princess that, and and she, her mother told the translator, you bought all this for her. She had nothing but a concrete floor and concrete walls, and no pictures, an old, old, old mattress. Now she had mosquito netting. She had uh, uh, Disney sheets. She had all the things that every little girl wants. What was it like being in their homes? Uh, what What did that do to oh. you emotionally? <laughs> that was tough. Uh, the first 
day, I visited four of the children, and we went to a water park, and we went to we went and had a late lunch, and it was all great, and it was wonderful. Um, however, when you get to some of their homes, uh, some had it better off than others. Some had a dirt floor, some had a concrete floor, but to actually see where they're living, and how much blight they really have and how much they are counting on hitting the lotto by getting a sponsor to help provide them for clothes and food and fixing the roof. Some of the money I donated went to new sheet metal for the roofs and that's all documented but I actually said I, I don't know if I can do this a second day. What was it like for you when you left Ecuador left being in their homes and came back to the U.S. to your car, to your home and the stuff that you have, what what uh, would you experience in, in the re-entry process? It made me want to give more because it's just all extra stuff for us. For them, it could be life and death. Uh, having a sponsor, having the Compassion Center there Having a, a, a child you're sponsoring, that's parents could very likely be dead very, very soon. And there's nowhere for him to turn except the Compassion Center and, and the, the, the sponsor he has. Uh, we're going to take a, uh, a trip to Ecuador next September. Uh, if you're interested in that, we'll tell you more about that after the first year. But if you if you want to know more about Ecuador, or uh, maybe you sponsor a kid and you've got some questions, Everett's going to be back at the at the coffee bar after the service. Feel free to to talk to him about that. But the reason I wanted to talk to him was because because there's a stark contrast in that village uh, in Ecuador in terms of what they need and what we feel like we need, right? How much, how much stuff do we need? Um, God has promised that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory, right? But we have all these things that we want that aren't really needs. And at Christmas time, much of what we focus on is about the wants and the dreams. It's about all the extra stuff, which is not horrible, but we need to come into Christmas with a clear perspective, a clear vision, a clear understanding of the difference between what we need and what we want, what, what's critical and what's extra. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, look at the, look at the, look at the flowers out in the field, look at the birds of the air. God takes care of them. He's going to take care of your food, your clothes. The stuff that you have to have. God's going to do that for you. Everything else is gravy. It's extra. Christmas, this Christmas, have this perspective, this lens that you use that says, you know, is, this, is this about wants or, or needs? Uh, I don't know if this is your story. This is, this is my story. I remember when I was probably, I don't know, 15, 16 Certainly by the time I was 18, I remember going home for Christmas and, and opening up presents. And one Christmas in particular, opening up my presents and looking down and realizing, I guess I'm an adult now. Because there were no games, there were no toys, there were socks. 
and underwear and deodorant, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you've been there, done that. You make that transition. Difference between wants and needs, the, the, the things that are critical and aren't. Don't miss this. I, in, in, throughout this message, gifts are not bad. Gifts are a part of the Christmas story. They're actually integral to the Christmas story. The biggest gift that could come was God sending Jesus to earth for us, the gift of his son. When Jesus was an infant, the wise men came. They've, they've traveled thousands of miles to come see him. And when they see him, they bow down and worship and they give him valuable gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But, but hear this, they were gifts that were appropriate for a king. They said when they came to Herod, where is he who is, who is uh, king of the Jews? Where, where has he been born? And Herod talked to the scholars. The scholar says it's going to be in Bethlehem. Um, they, they go and, and find him. They, they gave gifts that were appropriate. Even though they were extravagant, they were appropriate for a king. I want to encourage you as you look at Christmas this year, as you think about what you're going to buy, what you're going to give, give things that are appropriate for the people that, that, uh, that you're giving to. Um, understand that while gifts aren't bad, our value is never measured. It's not defined by our possessions. Sometimes we think that, that the more stuff we have or the better stuff we have, the more valuable we are, right? You know, that somehow if I'm driving a 2019 BMW, I am more important and more valuable than if I'm driving a 2002 minivan. That my value is tied to my stuff. I, I don't know that we consciously think that, but I think subconsciously it's there. Some, somehow we think, you know what? We must be more valuable to God because we have jobs, we have homes, we have cars, we have all the stuff that we do. We're more valuable probably than those people in third world countries. And that's not the case. Our value to God, our value to society is not dependent on how much stuff we have. Our value is intrinsic. It's, it, God put it in us when he created us. And our value to society comes from what we give, not what we have. We surround ourselves with stuff because stuff creates this imaginary world around us. Stuff makes us feel safe. You know what? If, if I've got all the things that I need around me, uh, life's going to be okay. If, I, you know, if I'm driving that 2002 minivan, I'm, I'm worried pretty much every trip I make, is this car going to make it or not? My assumption is that, it, that if I'm driving a 2019 whatever, that, that I'm going to be a lot safer. Stuff makes us feel safe but it's an illusion. Stuff makes us feel important. It makes us feel like, oh man, I, re I have really arrived because I have fill in the blank, what whatever that is. Stuff gives us this um, illusion of permanence. We think if, if I've got all this stuff around me, I, I don't have to worry about dying because how can I die if I've got all this stuff? Does that make sense? We, 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 we buy into that illusion of permanence. And we live in this culture, we live, we live in this world where um, everything we see says you need more stuff. Every time you turn on the TV, every eight minutes, nine minutes, there are advertisements that say you need this, you need to eat this, you need to buy this, you need to have this. 
We live in this world that says you've got to have more stuff. I just want to encourage you, as you approach this Christmas, don't buy it. Understand with perspective that Christmas is not about stuff. You can have a better Christmas without all the stuff. Uh, Jesus, in uh, Luke chapter 12, some guys come to him asking some questions. And, um, and, and, and Jesus said something about that, that whole concept that we have, that our value comes from the things that we have. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Man, you want, a, you want a verse to write out and put up on your mirror in your bathroom, to put on your desk at work? Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. We talk a lot about peace and joy at Christmas. Understand that peace and joy are, um, they are a state of being, not a state of having. Peace and joy don't come from having more stuff. It comes from what's going on inside us and understanding who God is. Sometimes we learn lessons in strange places. There's a, a seven-year-old girl, a second grader out in California named Sophia Novotny, who, um, who lives in an area uh, just outside of Los Angeles that uh, her, her home, her family's home, was destroyed by the Woolsey Fire uh, just two weeks ago. Um, when she learned, when they went back in and, and discovered that their house was completely gone, all their clothes were gone, all her toys were gone, she talked to her mom and, and she said, you know what, we need to get toys for my friends who lost their house. She wasn't worried about herself, she was worried about her friends. And so they started a toy drive in honor of Sophia, um, Sophia's wishes. And people brought toys specifically for her friends. Four families got toys, and then thousands of additional toys came in to be dispersed, distributed to other families who had lost their possessions in a fire. Sophia got our value is not about our possessions. That's not what defines us. Um, Stuff will never satisfy us. Stuff will never satisfy us. The stuff we get and the stuff we give is just stuffing, right? It's not meat. It's not potatoes. It's just stuffing. It's the extra stuff of life. It's not even vegetables, right? It's stuffing. Stuff will never satisfy. We think, uh, when, when we approach Christmas, we think, you know what? If I just give uh, this gift, oh, they're, they're going to know that they're loved and, 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 and they're going to be happy. If I can just buy them this thing. Or we think, you know what, this Christmas, if I get this, if I get this piece of jewelry, if I get this computer, if I get this new game, if I get these clothes, oh, man, it's going to be a successful Christmas. You know what happens a few days or weeks after Christmas, sometimes a few hours after it's open? It's like, oh, yeah, this is great. Where's the box, right? If you've got little guys, anyone? Um, stuff will never satisfy us. It gives us a short-term thrill, but it doesn't last. It can't. When I was working on this message and, 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 and just doing research, I was on the Internet and looking, and I, and I hit on a site that took me to a TED Talk about, about materialism, about consumerism, about stuff, 
that we have. I watched the, I watched the TED Talk. It was, it was interesting. And, um, and as soon as it was done, it went into another TED Talk. And what I found was there are probably 20 or 30 or I'm, I'm sure probably now even more talk, TED Talks about, about the dangers and the desires of people to not have stuff control their lives. None of them talked about a faith in Jesus, but they all recognized that the stuff we have controls us. The more we get, the more it owns us. Stuff can never satisfy us. It can never fill that need that can only come through God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin don't destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I read that first service, I, I didn't say this first service, but I got a call from my sister. I have a sister that lives in Florida that thieves came in, broke into their house yesterday, Friday morning and stole a whole bunch of stuff. You know what? Their world won't be shaken because they've got a, a, a vibrant faith in Jesus. But no matter what stuff you have, understand it can't satisfy and it can be taken away in an instant, whether you expect it or not. Stuff can't make us happy. It can't fill that need. It's an exp- when we give stuff away, um, it's an expression of our love. And that's cool. That's great. But it can't fill the need because all it's doing is expressing what's really there and figuring out how to really love the people that are in our lives. That's the, that's the question for us. Don't miss this. Jesus came for reasons far better than stuff. Jesus did not come to earth so that we could have lots of good things. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but that's the reality. Jesus didn't come so that we could have stuff. He came so that we could have him, so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could uh, experience forgiveness in a way that we never could without him, so that we could have hope of life beyond this one, so that we could have hope of better uh, uh, better circumstances, uh, hope, hope for the future, that what God would be doing in us would be different than what he's doing right now. Jesus came to give us peace, to give us peace, not anxiety. He came for reasons far better than this stuff. So, Here's the heart of the message. What do you do do as a result of this? As you look to Christmas, uh, here's my challenge. Make this Christmas better than stuff. Make this Christmas better than just being about stuff. uh, Let me give you just some some very basic things that that hopefully that you can implement and begin to do even in the next three or four weeks. Um, First is this. Prioritize relationships over presence. Um, Presents are an expression of our love, but do what you need to do to carve out time to spend time with the people you love rather than just giving a present. Um, figure out how to, how to express that love in a way that makes sense to them. Um, spend time with your family. You know, at Christmas, we, we say, oh, Christmas is a family time. Some, for, for some of us, we got weird families, 
And, and it's like, oh, man, do I really want to be with them this Christmas? They, the answer is, you know what? Jesus came in our weirdness. And maybe we can be Jesus incarnate in our families. Maybe we can demonstrate what Jesus looks like. Um, do, do presence this year, but with a healthy perspective of stuff. Don't let your mind think, oh, you know what? More is better. Don't feed the monster of more because, man, it's there in all of us. Oh, yeah, I wanted to do that, but maybe I can do just a little bit more. Um, Have the conversation that you need to with your husband or wife, with your kids, to say, this is what we're going to do this year and set some limits. Um, Take those steps to to figure out what that is and live that out. For some of the kids right now, you're getting really nervous, right? Being here, is my Christmas going away? Have have the conversation as a family to say, what are we going to do and and, and how can we make this Christmas better than the other ones that we've had? When our kids were little, you know, uh, present, figuring out what what you can do where you are is a a cool thing. Be creative. Um, A number of years ago, when our when our uh, kids were little, when we lived in Maryland, we had five little guys that were ten and under. Um, Deb did daycare in our home. Another six kids, so we had eleven kids at our house, pretty much every day, all the time. Um, We, as a part of doing daycare, uh, Deb signed up, and so uh, the government reimbursed us to do breakfast for the whole uh, for the whole crew. And um, and I was often the breakfast guy with all these kids, so I'd do the cereal for them. And, um, and I got to shop for the cereal to give to the kids. Well, like I said, we didn't have a lot. That's why Deb was doing the daycare. And, but I thought, you know what? If the, if the government's paying, I can choose what cereals I buy because we're going to get reimbursed. And if I buy cereals that have good presents, you know, good prizes in them, the send-in-the-box tops kind of thing – there's a sweetheart of a deal in here. And so I started in, I, you know, I'd start in every year after Christmas and just be collecting the codes and doing all that, sending the stuff in. When the prizes came, I was the one pouring the cereal out and I didn't want everybody fighting over the presents. So I just collected them, put them in a box. And it was a hoot for me at Christmas time to be able to take all those things out of the box and wrap them up and put them in their stockings. Because I grew up in a family where we all had stockings that were all just little piddly stuff, nothing really important, um, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, that kind of stuff. But to be able to have some fun stuff that hadn't cost a thing. Be, be creative in, in terms of what you do, even in the next few weeks, to figure out what Christmas can look like. Um, let, let me say this clearly. You have permission from the stage this morning to do less for Christmas this year, all right? Some of you need to understand that. You have, the, you have permission to do less. When we feed, particularly when our little guys are little, when we feed into that more, 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 got to have more, we create in our children as they grow up this sense of entitlement. You know, every year there's, there's got to be something bigger, something better, something more for us. We, we feed into that sense of greed. Oh, I've got all this stuff that's mine. Um, and, and sometimes when those, when those presents come and there's lots and lots and lots, it creates the sense of paralysis in our kids. They don't know what to play with. They got too many things to play with. Well, let me just 
again, encourage you, you have permission to do less. Uh, if you were around last year at Christmas, one of the things that we gave out was a Sparklebox book. If you've got one of these around and you haven't pulled it out yet, pull it out. Read through the story again. Take the sparkle box out of the back if you've got it there and begin to do what it says. Begin to figure out what you can do to give presents to Jesus this Christmas and open them on Christmas morning. More than anything, more than anything, together talk about the whys of Christmas. Talk about why Jesus came. Talk about why we celebrate Christmas each year. Talk about why it matters. Talk about why we need to be different than the rest of the world. Jesus came to earth to change our lives, to transform us, to change us for eternity. Our lives need to look different. Our lives need to be different than the rest of the world around us. Presence won't last, but Jesus came to give us something that would a relationship with him, a right standing with God the Father, a sense of peace, a sense of hope, a sense of joy. I love that Jesus' name, the prophet said, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. That the angel said to Joseph, his name will be Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Jesus came to change everything. Let this Christmas be better than any other Christmas that you've ever experienced because Christmas can be better than stuff. Let's pray. God, I, 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 uh, I thank you so much that you love us so much that even when we get distracted, even when we... Uh, lose our sense of balance, you keep loving us. Thank you, God, so much. Um, thank you, thank you, Father, that, that you, you are a God of joy and party and fun and, uh, and gifts that you've given us incredibly great gifts. Father, help, help us this year as, as we look forward, as we think about what we're doing, help us to not lose track of what's important. Help us to not exchange stuff for substance. Change us, God. Transform our eyes. Help us to look around and to see what you're doing in the lives of people around us. Help us to feed into that. Help us to be your hands and feet in this crazy season. In Jesus' name we pray.